Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Guys, when bad things happen, just take a minute, gather yourself, get yourself together. Don't, don't fall apart. Don't fall on the floor and have 10, you know, conniptions. Take a step back and look at what's happening and say, okay, God, this is bad. What just happened right now? I'm hurt by it or wounded by it or frustrated, but you said all things are working together for the good. All things work together. Somehow, this is going to work together for good. At some point, everyone experiences hard time in life, whether it's a freak accident or a financial crisis or you name it. We all go through some kind of difficulties in our life. In today's message, Pastor Bill reminds us of the promise that all things are working together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Even though we can't always see how things will work out, we know that His Word is true and that it will give us hope that will not let us down. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The most glorious part about the rapture in heaven and everything else is we will forever be with the Lord. Period. No sorrow, no suffering, no pain, no sickness and no sin for the rest of eternity. We look forward to that. And so, again, it says that our bodies, the believers groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. And so we know that we've been adopted into the family of God. We talked about that last week and we're looking for just the full redemption of what God brings about for us. Verse 24, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? And so um, here he says that we were saved in this hope. When we got saved, this is what we were hoping for. Everybody here that got saved, you gave your life to Christ. We're looking forward to living in another realm. We haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen heaven yet. I've read about it a little bit. There's enough information on it for me to know that that's where I want to go because there's an alternate spot that I know I don't want to go to. The Bible has given us enough information. You know, the Bible talks about hell more than heaven. You think about that. Why is that? Why does God talk so much more about hell? I have much more a descriptive idea of what hell is like than I do about heaven. And I believe this is it. I believe that God wanted to be so graphic and descriptive about hell that we would understand it, that we would fear it, that we would take his offer of forgiveness and salvation, that we wouldn't we wouldn't be there. But anybody here like to give surprises to people? Anybody like to give a surprise? Uh, just surprise somebody. I like when I can really get somebody, you know, like they just they had no idea. It's hard when you got kids. You know, they be throwing hints. Mom, what do you want to drink tonight? You know, uh, you know, got her favorite, you know, drink in the fridge. We ask her that for you. Now she know, you know, whatever. So, you know, it's kid. But the Lord, I believe we just gave us little glimpses about heaven because he wants it. I think when we get there, the Bible says eye is not seen nor ear heard nor have it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. I think we're going to be blown away. We, you know, we got little glimpses, pearly gates and streets of gold and all this kind of stuff. I think heaven is going to blow our minds. It says you haven't even imagined. So if you got a great imagination, you ain't even imagined what God has prepared for us. So guys, but hell, I'm going to go ahead and spill the beans because I want you to miss that. Outer darkness, weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth, lake of fire, brimstone, forever and ever and ever. Amen. The worm dieth not. You know, you can't get out. Don't go. Uh, so we want to take hold of Jesus. Amen. 
it's just, it's just made it available. I'm like, you know, but I, I really believe that's why there's so much more on hell than there's on heaven. Guys, I, I, I want to leave some of this. I want you to get there and just be blown away. And I, I think everybody to get to heaven is blown away. First, you're going to be blown away that you made it because you know what you are. <laughs> so your first step in, you're going to be like, I made it. You can just, that, that, that may take a hundred years of heaven. You just be rejoicing, doing the happy dance that you actually made it in. He, it, it worked, you know. Uh, he, he is gracious, you know. Then, then beyond that, all of else that heaven has to offer, we're going we gonna to be blown away. We're going to be blown away at what the Lord has for us. So, so moving on, look at verse 25. It says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And so we've seen three times the word hope here. God says that you were saved in this hope in verse um, 24. Hope that is seen is not hope. And so we haven't seen it and we're hoping for it. So this is the idea God's given. Right? The word hope, first of all, is the idea is to, it's confidence. It's like I'm looking forward for something. I'm waiting for something. But there's a confidence about the fact that I'm going to get it. And so the best way I could describe hope or illustrate it is from my childhood. If my dad told me, you know, I'm going to get you this for your birthday, then I knew I was getting it. So there was hope. There was a date that I knew I was getting it. I was looking forward to it, but I had to wait. I had to wait until that date. So there was there was hope. It wasn't like a hope. You know, you can hope that you're going to get something, but not be sure. Oh, I hope that they do that. I hope they show up. But you don't know for sure that they are. That's not how believers hope. We hope with a certain expectation. We hope, but we know that it's coming. We know we're going to get it. So one year I had wanted a bike and my dad took me to the bike shop and I showed him which bike I wanted. And I was sure that I was going to get it. But the way my birthday fell was during the week and I didn't get to go to my dad's house during the week. So I didn't know how I was going to get it. So it was one of those times where I'm like, I'm hoping. And I know my dad saw the one I wanted and I'm pretty sure he's going to get it. That's how he get down. But my birthday came and I went to school and I came home and I was like, is dad coming over? What's going to happen? And so he called and I was like, got on the phone. I was hyped. I was like, yes, yes. I was waiting for him to tell me he's coming by or something like that. And uh, he asked me what I was doing and told me to go next door to my buddy's house. And so I was like, OK, are you going to come over or, or what's going on? No, I, like, I, I got to go back to work and did that. go next door. But I go next door and uh, my buddy's dad had it in his garage. And so I got my bike. I called back and then I was gone for the rest of the day. But I knew I knew I was going to get it. Just didn't know how it was going to work out. You know, we don't know when we're going to go to heaven. We don't know when we're going to die. But there's a believer has a hope. We're saved in this hope. It's a it's again, it's an expectation of coming good. We we trust. There's a confidence that we have that God will fulfill all that he promised. But we don't have it yet. So now once I get something, I'm no longer hoping for it. I have it. We don't have it yet. We're hoping for it and we're looking forward to it. So I just want you to know it's it's not a wondering hope. It's not a hope with a question mark. It's a hope with a surety. I know for sure there's a confidence about what I'm going to receive as we hope. So moving on now, look at verse 26. And now so we looked at the creation groans. We looked at how we groan. And now we're going to look at the spirit groaning. Verse 26 Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So now it says the spirit groans within us, makes intercession for us. But the first problem it says is the spirit helps us 
because we don't know how to pray or what to pray for as we ought. Anybody here ever been there where you don't know what to pray? You don't know how to pray for something. I'll tell you right now. Got that text message, right? Somebody calls and says, my loved one is sick. They're dying, right? Pray that God, what do they want? They want you to pray that God would heal them, right? But do I know the mind of God? Do I know, like, it's one thing, and this is, guys, guys got to walk with me here. There's a school of thought that says, if you have faith, you just, you just say, God, heal them. Be done. But you guys understand, if we understand prayer, in prayer, I'm not directing God, right? That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not me deciding this is what I want to happen. Therefore, I'm going to contact God, that's my hookup, and tell him what I want him to do. That's not prayer. That's like having a genie in a bottle or some mess like that. That's not biblical prayer. That's not a Christian relationship with God. You ain't telling God what to do. Who knows everything? God. Who can do anything? God. So we come saying, God, my loved one's sick. I don't know what your will is, but I'm praying. I'm asking that your will be done. If it's your will to heal them, I'm asking you to heal them. If it's your will that they go home to be with you, then help us out to deal with that down here. I don't know what your will is, Lord, but I'm I'm bringing it to your attention. I'm I am interceding. I am bringing it before you. Some people would say that's that's a lack of faith. I would want you to pray for me. That's fine. It's not a lack of faith. You know, it takes more faith to pray. God, whatever your will is, you do that. It takes more faith to pray that because I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm at your mercy. I, I'm trusting your will above what I want. That takes more faith than to be ordering God around. So and just so you know, it's very, uh, very popular today. Um, you hear people praying in a very boisterous, commanding, demanding type of way. And I just want every parent here to consider because we have our, one of our relationships with the Lord is he's our heavenly what? Father. So every father here, if your kid walked in your house, said, dad, right, I command right now. I want you to do bling, bling. How many dads would do that? It'd be upside their head. We'd be, we'd be having to call the people on you guys, right? It wouldn't work. That's not how we relate to the Lord. Where's the respect? Where's the reverence? Where's the, you don't command God. So just if you think about that in earthly terms, we realize that don't work. So when I come before the Lord, there's humility. I, I, Heavenly Father, I mean, I'd at least open up with some praise. I got some things to thank him for. You know, I want to offer up some praise and some thanks. And I'm, I'm saying, God, I don't know everything. I know very little. But I'm so glad for the opportunity to bring all this before you. Show me. And so keep that in mind in your prayer life. You know, just be think about what you're saying. And if maybe some of us have come out of church circles where this is kind of the norm. And that's what happens. A lot of people, they pick up even how to pray and how to relate to God. And these things are picked up. You could be in a church uh, climate for so long where every this is how people pray. And before you know it, that's how you begun to address God and pray. Be careful that you, you get it from the word of God, how I relate to God. You know, Jesus, read Matthew 6. The disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he didn't tell them to stomp their feet and to make no demands. He said, you pray, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It opens up with some reverence and giving glory and giving honor to him. And, and the requests are being made, um, but you don't really hear anything commanding. Even when Jesus prayed to the father, if anyone had authority, he did. It's a very humble prayer. Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, your will be done. So Jesus has taught us how to pray. God, your will be done. Your will above my will in every situation. Amen. So let's make sure we pray like that. Now on to the next topic. It says the spirit makes intercession for us. Let me read the verse. For we do not know what to pray for as we are, but the spirit himself, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, 
The Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, two ways that this can be looked at. In the same way, for anybody here that prays in tongues or prays in the Spirit, what's taking place, uh, someone prays in tongues, we did a whole thing on that. So, if you want to go back and look through the studies, we did a thing on the gifts and we talked about that. When someone prays in tongues, the Bible says that they're speaking to God and not to men. Paul said, I'd rather speak in the hearing of you guys. I'd rather speak five words with the understanding than thousand word in tongues. When I pray in tongues, I'm praying to God. But something that's transpiring is God is making intercession. Um, And so even when I don't know how to pray, uh, I can spend some time praying in my prayer language and praying in tongues and trust that the spirit is making intercession for me, um, praying what I don't even know how to pray. Now, here it says that the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So I believe that let's say you're here and you don't speak in tongues. You say, oh, I pray for that. I, I don't really speak in tongues. Um, so am I at a disadvantage in my relationship with the Lord? Am I at a loss? Because I prayed for that. I didn't get it. Am I, he says here, the spirit will make intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. I believe everybody has access. I mean, you just sit there before the Lord and you don't know what's Lord. I just I'm groaning before the Lord. God, I'll make intercession. I got you. I pray in tongues. That doesn't make me if someone else here does not. I don't feel like I have something on them. We got the same God, the same Lord, the same Holy Spirit, same relationship. I'm not at an advantage over my brother or my sister because I have this and they don't. You know, I, I don't believe that. So I believe that we can all relate to the Lord. I believe God wants to make intercession. If it's your desire to know his will, you just spend some time before him. God will work it out. God's not holding back. God's not saying, I didn't give you that gift that you need to really connect with me in this way. Therefore, you're at a disadvantage. Doesn't work that way. You just spend some time in his presence. He said, the spirit will make intercession for you with groanings. You groan in my presence. God's I'll, I'll take that. I'll work that out. I'll make intercession for you. And this is the whole idea. What's he interceding for? What's he taking care of? When someone prays in an unknown language or someone is groaning before the Lord, God says, look, I'm making intercession. You don't know how to pray. The spirit is making intercession for you. So basically, when I don't know what to say, I don't even know to ask God. God says, the spirit who lives in you is going to do that on your behalf, making intercession for you. And so intercession, when you're praying for someone else, you make an intercession for you. Even when you don't know what to pray. That's why I think it's important that we have time spent, like solitude time with the Lord. You want to pray. You want to be quiet. You want to listen. You want to just spend. Every believer needs time where it says this time right now, I'm just encapsulated. I'm just with the Lord right now. I want to be in his presence and I want to commune with him and I want to talk to him. And you got to develop a relationship with the Lord to even for some people may even have the ability or capacity to pray in an unknown tongue, but their intellect won't let them. They think too much and they won't sit before the Lord and just allow God. If you have that for me, I'm open to whatever you have for me. Every believer, you want to spend time before God saying, God, I want everything you have for me. If you have that for me, I want it. Even though people do some weird things with it. I find that people do weird things with the gifts that we need. And it makes it a turnoff to where people say, I don't even want to mess with that. So all the spoken gifts, tongues, prophecy, any of those things, those are all the things that people go cockamamie and they start running around. You're going to be this. You're going to have that. You're going to you're going to so I'm prophesying over people. You got to pay me to do it. And don't none of my prophecies come through. That's why I don't do it at my church. I do it at their church. We take all them wonderful gifts because you know what? A real prophetic word is an amazing thing. Right. 
Says somebody come into a church, and even as we gather like this, I encourage you guys. We talked about it, went through the gifts of the spirit. God gives somebody a word. If you're here and it's like, man, I'm, the spirit is giving me a word, or I have a word for my sister, or word, give it to him. There's something amazing about a word from the Lord because sometimes God, when I've received a, a real word, I've received some of them, them funky words and one the word from the Lord, but I've received some real words from the Lord and they were exactly what the Bible says. I was edified and I was encouraged in my walk with the Lord. It was, and I know that they didn't make it up because they didn't even know. It's amazing that the people that came with them words, they didn't, they didn't know, you know, what was going on to be able to come bring me that, but it was supernatural. I knew that God was in the midst of it. So, some of us, we'd be sitting around, and if you have that, don't withhold that, because somebody would be greatly encouraged. It takes some faith to step out. Every gift requires faith. If you're going to pray in an unknown tongue, your intellect is going to say, this is crazy. What are you saying? Look at you. What's wrong with you? What is that you're saying? You know, you have to really just relinquish that and say, Lord, I'm going to let you just give me this. As I began, as I was praying that God would, if I had that gift, or I had the ability to pray in tongues, that God would just reveal it. God gave me little phrases. And I had to, in faith, just utter them and go forth. And it was just something in my private prayer life that I developed in my walk with the Lord. So I encourage us all to have time alone with the Lord and not to cut him off in anything. Every gift from God is great and good and will help us draw near to him. Amen. So the spirit himself, again, makes groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So once again, God's saying here, now he who searches the hearts and minds, the Lord does. God searches our hearts and searches our minds. And this is the cool thing. He searches your heart and mind and he knows what the will of God is. So God says, look, I search you. So I know what's going on in your, in your head, your heart, but I also know what the will of God is and he puts it all together. He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is, again, because he makes intercession for the saints. And this is the key phrase. If you underline your Bible, you want to underline it. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's the big deal. His intercession for you and me is according to God's will. I know whatever the spirit is praying is going to be according to the will of God, which is what we want. Last verse, verse 28. One of the awesome, precious promises in the Bible. Verse 28 says, and we know. That's an emphatic statement that we can be confident. We know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So when he says all things work together for the good, first of all, we know this. We know that all things work together for the good. Once again, this wouldn't necessarily be my go to verse for someone whose child just died or someone that just went through a difficulty, someone that just walked outside and found out their car was stolen. You know, I wouldn't be insensitive. My car just got stolen. Would you pray for me? Well, you know, all things work together for the good. Maybe you're going to get a better one. You know, <laughs> listen, not that it's not true. Right. But this is my point. You got to have this in your spirit. You got to know this. So when the bad things happen to you, you got to be able to draw this verse up for yourself. You know what? Ah, this just happened. I don't know why it happened, but all things. This is part of all things. I love the fact that God put all right. All things. That means every situation, right? All in the Greek means all. The same old thing. It means everything. All things are working together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So for me, for you, for those that are loving God, walking with the Lord, God said when bad things happen, just take a minute, gather yourself. Get yourself together. Don't, don't fall apart. 
Don't fall on the floor and have 10, you know, conniptions. Take a step back and look at what's happening and say, okay, God, this is bad. What just happened right now? I'm hurt by it or wounded by it or frustrated. But you said all things are working together for the good. All things work together. Somehow this is going to work together for good. So for the believer, when bad things happen, I still have something to look forward to. That separates me from the non-believer by miles, right? For a non-believer, when something bad happens, this verse don't apply. Right? I've heard a non-Christian say, well, all things work together for the good. Not for you. Not for you. It's just bad. Cry. Cry a river and call your mama. You know, for you, this is just bad news, right? But for the believer, it's different, right? For me, it's bad right now, but I know that God don't lie. So for me, well, all things work together for the good. I, I know that there's a good outcome. So I, I can look forward to what God's going to do through the bad thing over here. Now, it doesn't mean that as a Christian, I can't acknowledge a bad thing. Some people think that's not faith. Well, you know, what? I'm, I'm not going to even acknowledge that the car crashed. Well, that, that's just, you know, if, if you want to do that, you know, sometimes we get super spiritual. And there are some people that suggest things like that, that, you know, just in faith, if all these work together for the good, this is actually a good thing. I'm saying you can be real. Can we be real human beings? If I crash my car, that's not a good thing. I'm not happy that I crashed my car. It's a bad thing, but I believe that all things work together for the good. Those who love God call according. I believe I love the Lord and I'm called according to his purpose. So I'm looking for the good outcome eventually. I'm looking for, I'm looking for the good outcome, I'm, but I'm not denying the fact that, that that was bad though, you know, but we can look forward. So just, this is, the, again, this is what you, we can take from that verse. For the believer, even when difficult things, challenging things, troubling things, bad things are happening right now. I know that there's good coming eventually. There's, I have a hope beyond what I'm dealing with right now. So this is the cool thing. Romans 8 breaks down in these three ways. It tells me about my past. There is therefore now no condemnation. There would be no condemnation about my past life as a believer now. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but walk in the spirit. So I have no condemnation about the past. Romans 8.28 says, whatever you may be presently going through, even if there's bad right now, it's going to be a great outcome. It's going to end well. And then we're going to come to the end of the chapter and look at how nothing can separate us future. So Romans 8, if you take it all together, it tells me, man, my past is covered. My present, I got stuff to look forward to. And even in the future, nothing is going to be able to separate me from the love of God. So it puts the believer in a really wonderful space that we just are kind of covered by the Lord. But do you know the key phrase in all the promises is in Christ Jesus. And so if you're in Christ Jesus, all this applies to you. If you're not in Christ Jesus, then we invite you today that you would surrender your heart to the Lord. Uh, he would receive you and forgive you that you might be in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for your word to us. Uh, Lord, thank you for um, just the wonderful promises, God, that. Just all that you've made available to us. Uh, Lord, thank you. Uh, thank you for what you're going to do with creation. And we look forward to redemption and creation. We look forward to the redemption of our bodies. And God, thank you for uh, just your intercession on our behalf. God, how you work on our behalf, God, to help us to be in the will of God, to pray according to the will of God. Lord, thank you that all things are working together for the good. And so whatever people are currently going through, any challenges today, Thank you that we have hope, Lord. We have hope in what you're going to do. And so, Father, I pray our hearts are encouraged by your truth. 
that these things are building us up, Lord, and strengthening us. I pray that it causes us to live different, Lord, to, that we would be people that live with hope, that look like we have some hope. And then, Lord, I pray for any of that. They need to enter into relationship with you, God. I pray by your spirit, you would draw them to yourself, Father. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he works his way through the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul dove into the mysteries of faith in this letter to the church in Rome, drawing on a rich history found in the Old Testament. He looks back to the faith of Abraham, which was counted to him as righteousness. This is what he had to say about the patriarch in chapter 4, verses 20 to 21. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Since we get to participate in the righteousness that comes through faith, let's set our hearts and minds on the power of God to do everything he had promised. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us today. There's so much more that Paul gave us through the letter to the Romans, from deep theology to practical instructions on how to live. You won't want to miss a message, and we've made it easy for you to stay connected through Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. But we also have a free mobile app with access to our messages. To find out, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab to find a plethora of messages in our mobile app. While you're on the website, take a look around. We have a lot more available to you, including a daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll see you here next time, where we will again bring you a transforming word.